On episode 336 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to prepare to peak in 2024 with coach Peter Freeman. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the show. Excited to have you listening in to this episode, which I think is going to be really valuable for you as it's talking about how to prepare to peak in 2024 with my good friend Peter Freeman. And obviously, if you're listening to this episode at least somewhat near when it was published, then we are just starting into the new year. And with New Year's, we always think about what we can do to better our lives and our tennis games. And so I think this one will help you out. We talk about a lot regarding that, uh, including goal setting, um, consistency, discipline, developing new skills, the concept of gratitude and how impactful that can be, and a lot more. So we try to get into, um, you know, the, the most important concepts, fundamentals, and systems that you can try to set up to increase your chances of accomplishing what you want to accomplish in 2024. So yeah, I really hope you enjoy this one. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Coach Peter Freeman. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this special episode of the podcast. And I want to introduce my very special guest. So here we go. He is the founder of Crunch Time Coaching. He is the former Georgia Pro of the Year. He is the host of Tennis Con with 66,000 subscribers on YouTube. My good friend, Peter Freeman. Here he is. What's going on, brother? That's the greatest thing I've ever, I mean, that's the best introduction I've ever had. I mean, Marabon. I love it. I love it. Thanks, man. Well, we love you, man. So, uh, yeah, it's great great to have you on. How you been? I'm I'm so good. I mean, this is definitely the highlight of my day coming on to that great music. I'm telling you. Yeah, thanks. You know, I was really hyper at a Dunkin' Donuts, had a latte and a coffee, and I just some ideas came up. So I said, let's just have a little fun. Inspiration. So, I love it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. So uh, yeah, how have you been? Uh, it's, it's so great to see you again. Um, for those that don't know, I actually got to hang out with with Peter, Will, and Scott you know, from Fuzzy Yellow Balls and um, Player Court, respectively. And then Peter's from Crunch Time Coaching, of course. And we had a great time with the Chappelle show and really, really bonded and whatnot. So it's great to see you so soon, even though I prefer it to be live. But yeah, yeah. So how's how's uh, preparations for the new year going? Oh, really good. Yeah. I mean, it's just nice. I'm doing a lot of planning for next year on the business and excited about that. And, uh, you know, hanging around family and uh, experiencing the cold, which is as a Georgia boy, I don't really like, but it it makes it feel a little more like the holidays. So it's all good. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Well, uh, yeah, today, as you can see on the screen, we're going to talk about how to prepare to peak in 2024 with 
me and Peter, and we were brainstorming before the show and figured that this would be a great one. I'll also be putting this on all the podcast platforms as well, but we figured we could do this live so that we can also take your questions as well. But Peter, I mean, what's like one of the first things that you think about when you when you want to have a great year that, you know, the new year's coming up, it's something where like we all, most of us, many of us get motivated, like, oh yes, yeah, a new year, time to, you know, just change ourselves, transforms our, ourselves. And, you know, a lot of times it fizzles out, unfortunately. But, but um, what's like the first thing you think about when you want to have a great new year? Well, the first thing I think about is what do my, what do my students want to have a great new year? So it's not really about me anymore. Uh, it's about the students. And so the first question I would ask is what do they want? You know, do you want mm. to get better at something? Is there something new you want to add? Is it, is it about just winning as many matches as possible? Because mm. those are, those are two different things. I mean, you can, you can get a stroke that's getting better and have a disastrous season, you know, and you could yeah. have a great season and maybe you just marginally improved something. So it's really, what do you want to do with the off season? This is a very important question because a lot of people might say, well, I need to improve my serve. I want to get that, finally get the, uh, you know, a kick serve for, for the off season. And, you know, that might be the right thing to do if you want to kick serve and you have time to work on adding a new tool in your game, but it might not be the most important thing to work on if you're like, but the reason why I want to kick serve is I just want to win as many matches as possible, you see. So mm -hmm. that's the real thing I want to kind of put out there on our live stream here. Are there ideal goals? Like, is it is is there one better goal than the other? Or is it just like, what do we feel internally is the best for ourselves? Or I mean, how, how do you what do you think about that? Should it be about winning? I think it really comes down to the individual and, and what because yeah. uh, especially we are at least me, I'm coaching totally obsessed adult tennis players that that's who I'm talking to. So it's really about what is going to give you the most satisfaction, the most enjoyment out of your time on court. For some people, it's just like, I do all this so I can win matches. That's what it's really all about. And mm -hmm. other people, like I remember this one guy I taught, which I, I thought was, was a beautiful comment he made. He's like, Pete, I don't care if I win or I lose. I just want to play beautiful tennis. And, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, if, if you're looking at some of your game, you're like, man, it, it, I really want to sharpen this up. I want it to look better. Uh, I've seen it on video. It, it's just a nightmare. Well, now's a great time to do it because now's the time you can do it. Uh, I just watched a video actually on off-season training. And uh, it was a great video by the Tennis Mentor. If you've never seen his videos on YouTube, he's awesome, guys. Go check him yeah, out. He is. And uh, he was able to work, work with uh, Liam Brody and his coach, and they were doing off-season training. And the coach said, this is the time where gains are made in the offseason. It's a very important time for the players. They've only got a month and a half to do it. And uh, it's, it's a time where you can improve things, where you can change things. And he said, once the, the season starts, it's about maintaining stuff. You really can't work on new stuff. You just don't have that time. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that you can't be improving during the the regular you know season on mm -hmm. tour because as we know mm -hmm. the pros you can see it they get hot they get cold 
And, and so they're obviously doing something. Something is happening, even though they're in season play to be able to get on a hot streak and, and start playing better. But it's not necessarily, you know, changing their their form a little bit, which which, you know, you're thinking, well, do the pros actually do that? And if you look at Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic, you take a look at those guys from the beginning of the time they were on the tour to when they're, you know, now and Roger's gone and who knows what Rafa is going to do. Their strokes are actually different. So they changed their form and they probably did a lot of that changing in the off season. Yeah. Yeah. And so is it ideal for us then? Like, you know, the time that we're playing the least amount of matches, is that when we should be focusing on the technique portion and then, you know, we can do like the, the mental and maybe some strategy, of course, off season as well, but like maybe more suited to like when we're like busy, we can still do some of that. Definitely form would be one of the things on the top of the list. If you want to clean up some technique, uh, but on, on the top of everybody's list, before we get into all that, you see how we kind of always gravitate towards that. Uh, the number one thing that Brody's working on, that all the pros are working on, and that everybody needs to work on is getting the body stronger. Boom. That, Look at the that, comment there. That's yeah. pretty close. Byron. Yeah, Byron, that is it. Buddy it, there. it. It should be on getting the body strong and ready for play. Now, here's one thing. I've actually been calling my VIPs, uh, which is kind of cool, inviting them out to uh, what I call hyper-focus camp, kind of giving them the first dibs on that. Um, Email me if you're interested in coming train with me uh, next year in Atlanta, guys, if you're watching this. But it was, it was kind of sad. I would say half the people I got on the phone were battling an injury. Yeah. Right? And, 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 uh, and everybody that I said, well, how'd you get injured? It was, I was playing tennis. And, and I'm not saying that, oh, well, they definitely were not taking care of their body. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But, it, you know, when you're out there playing tennis, as your main exercise, or if you're not building your, your body strong on the off season, there's a good chance because tennis is tough on the body. There's a good chance you're going to get hurt. And a lot of these injuries were, were kind of serious that people were dealing with. So we, we kind of don't take it seriously enough. Yeah, I agree, Peter. I mean, it's, it's something where a lot of players, you know, they'll have injuries and instead of addressing it, they'll just keep playing and even almost even have like a, like a warrior mentality, but not a smart mentality where, you know, I'll just play through it, play through it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get a lot more injuries, more serious injuries and whatnot. So like, it's really important to, to address these problems and, you know, seek an expert or do something about it. And, you know, I was talking with Peter before this podcast episode and I, I've, I've been getting, you know, some heel pain after tennis and, you know, plantar fasciitis. So I got a, a like a night splint boot sort of uh, device and uh, been using that and it's been helping definitely. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that, you know, tennis is a lifelong sport and you want to be able to play it for, for a long time. And if you don't prepare the body, you know, you don't do your dynamic warm up, which, have, you know, I've got a, a YouTube video on that the routine. And I'm sure, you know, Peter and others do as well. If you don't do that, if you don't, you know, stretch afterwards, um, take care of the body, then then you'll be in bad shape and you won't be able to do the things that you that you want to accomplish. So um, that that's really big. Mirabai, can I can, yeah. I can I can I turn can I turn you can come back to me in a second, but can I turn around on you for yeah, a minute? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Because I know that you actually do still play a lot of leagues and yeah. matches and everything. And, and so what are you thinking about right now? Uh, Because I know you also actually work very hard on your game. What are some of your 
goals for next year? What do you think you need to improve? Are you thinking about technique at all? Or, or is it just about fitness, hitting a lot of balls? What, what are you thinking? What are you looking to do here in these next couple of months? Yeah, it's really, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because, you know, it's like, I do have goals and, you know, I'm trying to set up systems that'll help facilitate those goals because that's really important too. You know, a lot of us have the goals, but then we don't have systems. So then they just kind of fade away. But yeah, I mean, for this coming upcoming new year, and I don't know if people have heard, but I uh, actually got bumped down to four or five and uh, I went like 15 and 14 and five, sorry, something like that. And then won all my five matches, included at sectionals and, and still got bumped that's down. That's weird. So, it is weird. Yeah, I was self-rated for some reason, I think, because I didn't play men's for a couple of years. But anyways, that being said, um, that, you know, I mentioned that because it kind of plays into things. But um, yeah, my my goals for next year are to, you know, make at least uh, one nationals for my for USA leagues. Um, obviously, I'll have a, a pick of some strong teams and then also to uh, improve my my second serve as well, get more velocity and spin on that. So like as part of like a system, which I wanted to talk about, too, is like, you know, when you have the goal, then you want to set something up. Like for me, it's going to be three mornings a week in the mornings. Uh, did I say that right? Three times a week in the mornings, I'm going to mm -hmm. go with a basket of balls and hit 100 you know, second serves. Um, so you kind of want to make it so that you have the schedule and then you, you block it in your calendar as well and then act on it. So like, that's, uh, that's like pretty much one of my biggest goals. I also do want to shore up the backhand a bit as well with the technique and also play more aggressively and generally speaking. So, um, yeah, those are some of the goals. I think one, one other one too, is, um, to improve my singles game as well. Cause I've been playing a ton of doubles. That's just, you know, how it is in five Oh, you only have one court of singles, two courts of doubles. And so you usually have, you know, your, your best singles player there, which is sometimes like almost like a five, five really playing. So, uh, I played all doubles, but yeah, singles got to get used to that again. You know, it's, it's a definitely a bit of a different game. So yeah, those are, those are some of the goals I have. So it's really important to do the planning and, and the, time blocking and then the executing as well. So yeah, um, that's, that's the answer, Peter. What do you think? <laughs> I, th I think it's a great answer. And uh, there's one thing you said that is certainly not a wrong answer. Um, but I do think that what I want to also say to everybody, and I, I know Maribon is in a cold part of town. I went to school in DC, DC in the winter is freezing. Right. Right. And uh, unless and I don't know how much access he has to indoor courts, but I'm, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of days where Maribon goes, it's too damn cold. I don't I can't practice or it's raining or it's snowing or it's like super nah. windy. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> let's just say there's normal people yeah. who, 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 okay, who, okay. who will normal say that people. normal people. Yeah, because yeah. Um, lots of people right now are going to be living in cold parts of the world and even Georgia's got kind of cold last couple of weeks where I haven't wanted to go outside and very do much or film anything. Sure. So a lot of people, when I do these challenges, I'll do a number of challenges during the winter. And uh, a lot of them are like serve challenges, technique challenges. And, and uh, I'll get a lot of emails and messages like, Oh, I love your challenge. It's great. You know, it's going to get warm in a couple of weeks and, and hopefully I can go out there and practice. And if you really want to make a change, do not hit a bunch of balls because mm -hmm. once you put the ball in play, whether you're doing a serve, whether you're doing a forehand, whether you're doing a backhand, even if there's not much pressure there, you're going to have some degree of your old habit creep, creep in because even yeah. if you say, I don't care if I miss my second serve, I'm just going to practice the new thing. It's impossible, 
I think, pretty much not to care. You, you know, most people are going to be making some sort of adjustment that goes back to comfort and old habits. And unless they're filming themselves, which most people are not, they're not realizing that they're really not making a change. And, and especially if you go ahead enough balls, like I don't know, Maribon, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let's just speculate. Let's just use you as an example and say you have a, the reason why you want your second serve to get better is you got a technical flaw. You know, you could go out there and get on a roll, you know, after five, 10 minutes, your body warms up and, and you're feeling confident and you're starting to feel the ball. And you're like, man, I think my second serve is like really, really improving because, you know, I, I just made all these serves in a row. And, and you, you're probably also guessing and saying to yourself, unless, you know, if you're not filming yourself, which most people are not going to do, you're probably also thinking, and my technique must be getting better because look, the ball's going in. Mm. And you might have just had like a great day, especially there's no pressure there and you're hitting a bunch of balls and, and hitting ball after ball. You know, when you can do that in a rhythm, you're going to end up serving great. And the problem with that is you go play a match. You don't get to the serve one, serve the next, serve one, serve the next, right? You play a point, you, you know, especially you're playing doubles out there. The point ends, you got to go talk to your partner. You got to go walk back to the fence. Then you got to step up to the line. Then you got to look at a person in front of you. That's breaking your rhythm. And yeah. when rhythm's broken and tension is building, if you haven't really conquered an old bad habit, it's going to come back in the match. And you're going to be like, what the hell? I practiced my serve so much in the offseason. But if that same glitch is there, it's still going to be the same in your matches. Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. It's it's very, very difficult. Um, I was scrolling my phone because I just wanted to show you, you know, like how I, you know, I take pictures or sorry, videos of like all my tennis serving. Uh, it's, it's not good, really getting good for you. Not, focusing actually but yeah it's not yeah, focused, like, but we get the idea yeah. that's great. yeah yeah when, when i get on the court like i've got my tripod with me and i i fill my my serves and just make sure like what's what's going on here um but yeah i i can't agree more um you know i there was one point where i was practicing like my new technique on my serve for probably like like a week straight you know every day and then you know i got on the on the, um uh, the match court and actually was going really well you know i was i was serving well i could even though it's kind of hard, I could tell like that, that the new motion was, was in play. Right. And then, then it got to the second set. It was like five all and I was serving and then, Oh, oh uh, I feel a little bit of a shallow drop there. And, uh, you know, it just went back and it was very difficult to, uh, to really, you know, keep that, that same form. So, yeah, I mean, one, you know, huge proponent, proponent you are of, uh, of shadow swings, like, doing these things, like starting from there, like, you know, no, no pressure at all. And then kind of just gradually, you know, bumping it up. But I know you also say that you advocate like, you know, practice like your new technique, but then in the matches, do what you got to do to win and whatnot. And then just like keep practicing the new technique, like when you're, you know, on your own and whatnot and not playing a match. Right. And then just eventually like it'll kind of kick in. Is that the approach? Yeah, that is the approach. And especially when we're in season, you know, if you still yeah. want to, so now's a great time to get a head start. You know, if there, if you're out there listening to this and and we're saying certain things that are like really hitting home, like, oh man, yeah, I got to work on my serve technique or my backhand technique is this way off. And I know that's the reason why the ball floats when I try and hit a nice return. This is your time to really dive deep on technique and also progression learning and even play some practice matches where you don't care, where you do try the new stuff. And, and 
The further along you are in the process, you can maybe try and play a complete match with a new technique. The more you're kind of learning something new and you're having to think about it a lot, it's it's really in that early stages of conscious competence, then maybe you just go, okay, I'm going to do it three points in this set. I'm going to try the new mm. thing. You know, so it's it's all about where you are on the curve as far as getting this stuff down. If you feel like you're at the end of it and you just need a couple of tweaks, you can say, I'm doing the whole match with the new stuff. And if it's brand new, just kind of give yourself a handful of points. You're like, I'm going to try it on these points. Um, and then you have a chance. But now is the time. This is the time to do it. Now is the time. Boom. Unbelievable right. timing there. Just wrote the same thing. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, Peter, so, you know, I had mentioned this before, how like our goals just seem to, you know, we have them and then they just kind of like gradually fade away, which is very sad. But like, what do you think are some of the biggest problems like that cause us to not reach our goals? You know, we have these shiny new goals and then they, you know, we never reach them. So like, what? cause that's, you know, that's big thing. We need to keep in mind these principles um, that you're talking about that you're going to tell us about. So what's, what are the issues there? I think, you know, <laughs> I'm good at this one thing when I'm in charge. And then when it's my own life, I'm not good at this one thing. So I understand mm. the, the students, right? Because yeah. there, there's certain, there's certain advice I've gotten in my life where the, the person who I know is at a different level than me, a higher level mm. will, will say, Pete, just do a, B, C, you know, that's it. Just like a, B, C, just do that. And I'll hear it. Now it makes sense. And then all of a sudden I like go to start doing ABC, but I'm like, yeah, but like, if I also did this, wouldn't that be better? Or like, uh, B kind of seems like a waste of time. So I'm going to skip B and I'm just going to go right to C. And, and, you know, then all of a sudden you look down six months and you're like, ah, I still really, I'm kind of living my life the exact same way. I didn't really change mm -hmm. anything. And like, I'm doing a racket drop challenge right now. And I am just like for day two, which I think is the most important day. And I know people listening to this can't, can't see it, but, uh, uh, for the people watching this, I basically have a brush in my hand, which is a tennis racket. And I, cause most people do the waiter tray, right? And so I'm showing everybody right now, the waiter tray. And I just want to see if people can, can strike a pose, get the racket on your head so you can feel the contact, get a weak wrist. Make sure that you are palm down because that's the key because most people are palm up, palm down and be able to strike that pose like that. Now, even though I've clearly said that that's what people should be doing on day two and that's all I want to see, most people are either A, still sending me a video of their complete serve, mm. B, still like doing a complete shadow swing and they don't have the shadow swing down. And then the only one so far who has sent me exactly what I want, she is, and so I'm like, okay, this is great because she's doing exactly what I want her to do. She's doing the drill. Now we can get somewhere. Everybody else is this kind of noise. Like you're not even doing what I'm asking you to do. Mm. But this one lady who sent it, I'm like, now we can work because she went to put it on her head, but she had, she was like too low on her head and, and her, and she was up like that a little bit. Again, if you're mm. listening to this, I'm, I apologize, but I'm showing that that basically she had, it's her too far down on her head and she was here. And then also when she did go to swing, she brought her non-dominant hand away and brought her chest forward. So now I can show her, hey, now you're doing the exact drill I want, but you still don't have it right. And lots of times the most basic elemental things that you need to get down 
you kind of look at it on a video and go, oh, okay, that makes sense. That looks easy. I don't think I need to work on that. I've got that. What's step two? And you'll be surprised out there if you try step one and you video yourself, and especially if an expert look at it, whether it's a local coach or somebody online, usually the expert can say, you almost got it, but you still didn't get it completely. So you're still going to, once you add the whole motion, it's still going to really be detrimental to your game. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like people are, you know, they're not a doing like the steps that, that are instructed and be like, just kind of like, yeah, they're just not really focused on what they need to do. Like they're kind of all over the place. Yeah. They skip steps. They, 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 they start out kind of focused. Like I'm going to focus on this one thing, but then they usually add their own little Mm. nuances to it that they think is still good, but it's not exactly what they should be doing. So mm. if you want to really improve in an off season, especially a technique, you need to be doing the exact things that either your local coach or an online coach is showing you. If you believe that they know more than you and are, are telling you, look, this is what I want you to do. Do it just like this. Most people will not do it just like that. And, and this is in yeah. all facets of life. I mean, I'm guilty of it all day long in a lot of things, aspects of my life. Mm hmm. You know, one other aspect of, of, you know, achieving your goals and peaking is, is consistency, right? Like people, the people who show up every day are the ones that are going to, you know, really get to where they want to be. And you hear like all walks of life, like you were referring to, like they, they're saying like it's consistency is what you need to do. So like the problem with, with humans in general is that they're like the, their brain, they're, they're lazy, you know, like they want to take like the easiest route possible, like have the most comfort and things like that. So, you know, sometimes when, when you think to yourself like, oh, like I, I'm going to have this fitness regimen, but then you think, oh gosh, like it's, you know, oh, it's going to be an hour of, of fitness and it's like cold and rainy and this and that. So like, I, you know, one technique that I find to help me with consistency is to uh, trick my brain by giving it like really small amounts, something like, okay, I'm just going to, work out for like 15 minutes a day. That's all I, all I need to do, you know, things like that. I'm just going to serve for 20 minutes. Uh, I'm just going to work for my, on my, my mobility for 10 minutes. And when you, when you tell yourself this, try that. Like when you tell yourself these small little amounts, it seems like so doable and so easy that, that you will start it. And, and, you know, the biggest thing about um, the biggest toughest thing for people to do is to get started. So once you get started, you know, and you do it, then you can tell yourself, okay, maybe a few more minutes. So I just find that, you know, related to consistency is this, this trick that I like to use. Like, have you ever tried doing that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, so right now I have uh, a personal trainer, which is kind of fun. And then I also, um, uh, when I'm not seeing my personal trainer, I do uh, Tabata workouts where the timer's on for 25 seconds and uh, off for 10 seconds. And I do 20 rounds, which takes about, I don't know, seven to 10 minutes. And I like always know I can get through that. And then there's, and some days that's all I'll do. I'll be like, okay, I f- my body feels good. My mind feels fresh. And I got to go do some work stuff. And then other times I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, that went by 20 went by really quick. And I got some extra time. Let's do another, another set of it. And then, you know, so sometimes I'll do two, three, four of those other times. I'll, lots of days I'll just do one, but at least I like, I did it rather than, you know, 
again, laying in bed, being intimidated by going, oh, I got to get there and do an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great techniques that you're doing there. Uh, kudos. And then, you know, you also talked about this a little bit in the beginning, but I think a lot of people, a lot of players, like they, they feel kind of stuck. Like they know that they're not getting the results that they want, but they don't know exactly what to do. There's like, you know... Oh, there's so many things I could do. I could work on my technique, my fitness, like my mental game. Like it's just, there's so many things to do. I'm just like I'm stuck in analysis uh, paralysis as they call it. So how can players, you know, be more aware and like, how can they figure out like, what is it that they really need to work on to take their game to the next level? That is a great question. Cause I mean, ten- tennis is a very complex game. I mean, it really is. There's so much that you got to take care of. I mean, fitness is number one, but even when we talk about fitness, we're like, well, what does fitness mean? I mean, fitness means, you know, flexibility. It means strength, right? It, it means being, being durable, which is a little different than strength. And, right. and then performance wise, we got to be able to get to balls and have fast reactions. Like all these are different skills you have to be working on in the fitness realm. And then there's the endurance level, which is, you know, lasting, you know, a three hour match out in the sun and then being able to, you know, maybe do it the next day. If you're, if you play a weekend tournament or something like that. So, I mean, there's, there's so much to focus on, but I will say one general thing is no matter how much you train, you're not going to, unless you already are there and close, you're not going to be a pro. So like, I think you have people in two buckets. You have people who are like, I don't care about my strokes at all. And I just go play league tennis and I'm a weekend warrior. And they're going to be, they can win a lot of matches and they'll, they'll, they'll basically win within that level and maybe they can kind of get to the next level, but then they're kind of done, you know, and not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. And then you have the other side of it where they're like, man, I don't want to play like that. I want to improve. I want to hit like the pros. You know what? I want to hit like the pros. And the great news is anybody can develop perfect technique on anything. So that's the good news for you guys. So if you want to hit more like the pros, you absolutely can. But your tolerance level for shot making is never going to be as high as the pros. You know, the, the pros can run for a ball that's hit, you know, 80 miles an hour off the court. They're running. And if they get there on time, they get grounded. They can hit as hard as they want back in the court and do that all day long. Because they're training much more than you. Their technique is better than you. They've been doing it since they were a little kid. So what I tell people, and this will help you play a lot better in your matches this year, if you can figure this out, make what, what you cannot hit. Hit what you can hit, right? So if you see a ball there, you got to start to know your game. You've been working on this new forehand. Really pay attention to when you're making it and when you're missing it, right? So if you get a ball at a certain pace, a certain type of spin at you, you're in, a cert, you're in, a, in, a, in the court area. Like, you got to know, like, okay, when I try and hit my Novak Djokovic forehand, I am money when the ball comes at this kind of pace. When it starts to get out of that spectrum for you, you've got to be aware of that, concede to it, and go, I'm just going to make the ball back and play. Because the great news is, if you just make a shot back and play, see, when the, when the pros, 
even the pros win a lot of points just by making another ball, you know, even hitting the ball kind of underhanded and pitching it back in. They win a lot of those points. But there certainly is a lot of pros who can knock you out for leaving a ball hanging to where like, okay, you leave it hanging, it's over. There's not many recreational players that are going to make you pay for it over and over again. They might sometimes. Mm -hmm. But if you can just make a ball back and play, you're going to win so many points by doing that. So really understanding what you can hit and what you should just make, I think will help everybody here, no matter what kind of technique you're trying to use. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Yeah, definitely, Peter. I just, you made me think about, you know, practice match I had actually with Byron, who's is on here in doubles. And just like, you know, there was one big point where I just scrambled and just, you know, ran and got the ball and just got it, got it in the court there somewhere. And, you know, um, you know, playing against great players, but they still like, you know, they missed the volley wide. And it's like, that was, you know, it was a big point in the match. So yeah, just making one more ball definitely is, definitely doesn't hurt. <laughs> no. um, yeah, yeah, definitely. One thing I want to talk about too that's really underrated is um, just having gratitude, you know, because I think that um, a lot of times we just put too much pressure on ourselves. We think like we got to win this and that, like, or, you know, you're, you're having a, it, it almost like seems silly. Like when you think about it and put it in context, it's like you're able to play, you know, these matches at like really nice clubs or whatever and then while you have so many other people who are just like you know on the street or like they don't have tennis rackets and courts access and like you know we're, we're living you know great lives like by by being able to play tennis and like every single time that i've been playing a match and like i feel bad for myself and i think about like how grateful i am to be able to play when others cannot due to a lot of unfortunate circumstances like i immediately just and more relaxed. I played a lot better. So I, it's probably not one thing you're expected to, you expected to hear, like when thinking about peaking in 2024, but I think it's like a very essential, you know, principle uh, to keep in mind. So uh, what do you think about that, Peter? Well, what you said actually just remind me of, uh, I watched a uh, Layla Fernandez uh, warm and fuzzy extra uh, episode uh, last night. Um, huh. And one thing that was kind of, uh, I thought great is, uh, and I was surprised, you know, um, the guy asked, well, what do you dream about? She goes, I dream about tennis. And she talked about how much she loves tennis and how mm. grateful she is for it. And then the guy basically says, well, what do you, what do you love about tennis? Why are you dreaming about tennis? What, what is so enjoyable? And she just talked about, you know, being calm through the chaos and that there's so much that, that happens on the court, you know, so many lows, so many highs, and it, it's just such an exciting ride for that hour to two hours out there. And um, yeah, I mean, sometimes as a tennis player, we can certainly dread it because of the nerves and because of not performing at, at what you expected to do. And so that can definitely put you into a tailspin of emotions, a lot of them negative, a lot of them ungrateful, a lot of them very self-directed in anger. And, uh, but but to kind of realize that, oh my gosh, you know, tennis really brings out all the amazing 
emotions that you're going to kind of experience in life. You know, in life, you're going to have great days where just something happens and you do feel just awesome and elated. And then there's going to be, you know, anticipation, what's going to happen. That's exciting. Then there's also going to be very disappointing things that happen to you that are sad, you know, and and tennis kind of can bring you through that all in one day. And so to kind of be grateful for that, I think is, is really important. Yeah, definitely. Lila Fernandez. Um, yes, yeah, just a nice, uh, nice person. And also uh, Filipino, which my mom is, which is cool, but yeah, warm and fuzzy. That's really cool. So I don't know why I didn't know about this show for some reason, but okay. It's on tennis channel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tennis yeah. Channel Podcast Network. So I got to, yeah. got to, yeah, yeah. She gives, she gives a very cute, uh, heartwarming, uh, interview. I thought, I thought she did great. Got it. Got it. Cool. I'll, I'll definitely link that show in the show notes. Discipline, Peter. Discipline. So that's that's big, obviously, in order to to really to, to peak to accomplish anything, you need discipline. So, what are your overall thoughts about discipline? Is it something that maybe is too stressed? Maybe is there like a different way to go about things with respect to that to still reach your goals? You know, because I guess kind of what I'm trying to put into words is like, you know, there's discipline, but then there's also maybe like, are you maybe not doing the right thing or you're not having the right attitude that is causing you to not like what you're doing, you, you know? So like, what, what are your thoughts on, on discipline overall? How important is it? Yeah, I think, I think it kind of, kind of covers a lot of what we've been talking about tonight. The discipline aspect of it is, and being grateful, I think makes it easier to be more disciplined, you know, mm, because how so? Be, well, I, again, I'm doing this racket drop challenge and one of the uh, people, um, actually came on video and he's like, I really hope this racket drop challenge. He's a super nice guy. I mean, and every time I'm saying stuff like this, guys realize that I, I feel the same way with a lot of things in my life. But, um, he's like, I'm, I'm going to give this racket drop challenge one last go. And if it, if it doesn't work for me, then I'm just going to forget it. You know? So to me, Mm. that sounds like he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to where it's going to be hard to be disciplined because he's already planted that seed. Like, you know, gosh, I don't think this is going to work and I, I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, then I just realize I can't do this. So I'm going to quit. And I said, you know, as you do this racket drop challenge, number one, follow the steps exactly like they're laid out. That's why I told him. And I said, and rather than hoping that you get this racket drop down the right way so that you can then use it in the match and putting all this pressure on yourself, I want you to enjoy the process of mm-hmm. the moves. Like I- enjoy it like you're taking like a Tai Chi class. You know how that you see the people in the park and they're doing the moves and it looks very peaceful and it's as part of their process. Well, as a tennis player, if you looked at shadow strokes and progressions too, not almost like yoga poses and Tai Chi like combined, if you did that, I bet your strokes would improve a lot because even the people who do a shadow stroke, like I see what y'all are doing because you all send me videos. Like they'll do one shadow stroke, two shadow stroke. First of all, the whole thing, not broken down progressions. And then they'll take a ball and they'll throw it up and hope that it all worked. Rare and like, I want you to treat it like, okay, I'm just going to like hold this pose for like 10 seconds and I'm going to do that 10 times. Then I'm going to add another piece to it. And I'm going to just going to enjoy it. It's going to be peaceful. It's going to be like yoga. And it's just part of my daily ritual because I love the way that strokes look. And, and it's very artistic. And I will say maybe that's one thing that I had going for me now looking back 
is I really love to compete, but I also just thought the moves of tennis were very artistic. So mm. I always loved to shadow stroke and I would do lots of like movements in front of the mirror because, you know, we didn't really have the cell phones going on when I was growing up. So I would always do the moves in front of the mirror. And, and if it looked good when I was doing it, it was very pleasing to me. So I like to do it over and over again. Love that. You made me think about a video I just saw today. I know you're a big fan of him too. Uh, Milan from uh, 10 Fit Men. And, oh, yeah. Uh, he just posted one today where he was like doing these shadow swings like uh, and bouncing up and down these steps. And, like, it's amazing. Doing, like, I saw that video. too. Yeah, yeah. Lunge, lunge um, volleys. So yeah, he's, he's great. Had him on the podcast a while back. Um, and you've obviously worked with him too. So really good stuff. Also, a lot of great nuggets in there, Peter. I mean, you talked about enjoying the process because we've heard a lot of people who, you know, they've, they've accomplished like the big thing they wanted to do. And then the next day they felt like empty inside and just like, you know, what, what's next sort of thing. And um, so that's why it's really important to to think, you know, enjoy the process, focus on the process. My, my college coach, uh, when we were at UMBC, Keith Perrier, he, he told me after my first, it was a big loss. My first tournament, actually, yeah. First match actually in college, I played a, a fellow friend who's from this area and I was up six, two, five, one. And I thought about winning my first college match. And then of course I lost and you know, I never, I never forget. He told me, you know, you got to focus on the process, not the results. And mm -hmm. so that's a, that's a key thing. Just keep thinking about the process, you know, planning, executing, and then, you know, get it eventually, you know, improving 1% each day will get you, damn, what was it? 27 times better or something like that at the end of the year or some, you know, some stat like that, but yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely really important. Um, any other, um, you know, sorts of, um, principles or ideas that, that we need to bring into 2024 to make sure that we're able to peak. Well, I, th I think you just kind of also hit on something big, you know, that, mm. that 1% better. And it, it's really understanding what that means. And, and of, of course, a, a lot of people who didn't play sports at a high level, but are now really into tennis, they, they maybe don't understand that and, and, and how big it can be. Uh, just to give you another idea, I watched um, the quarterback on Netflix and Kurt Cousins said something uh, that stood out to me. He had somebody and he was just working on one aspect of, of his game. I think it was like, I think it was a fitness thing. And he said to that person, he's like, I told them if I can just get 3% better in this one area, that is going to be huge for me. Mm. And so they really, they really live by that and they really mean it. And especially when you're that good, you know, <laughs> you can't realistic, even though you might feel 100% better in your confidence. You see, you can improve 3% and be 100% more confident. But as a professional football player, the, the guy cannot improve 100%, you know, sure. because they're pretty much perfect as it is. But if you watch that series, it really shows at a high level how much goes into everything. And these quarterbacks were thinking about every aspect of their game all the time, mm. all the time. And, and so being able to really understand what does that mean improving 1%? Because we always want like these gigantic improvements in five minutes. 
Mm. You can understand someone can say something to you like on a video and it could be the missing piece and you could understand exactly what you need to improve in five minutes and that would help you improve and make a gigantic leap, but you're not going to be able to implement it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and, you know, we, one of the, your themes that I love is, you know, being the obsessed tennis player. Right. But I think, you know, the people who really do like amazing things, you know, and everything they're, they're obsessed. So like, how do we make ourselves obsessed? Um, yeah. I mean, how, how do we do that? Because if we could all be like that, and truly just have it like on our mind, like all the time and just have like max energy and just like, you know, so dedicated and we're working on it all the time. We would all be like really fantastic players, but inevitably like, you know, things happen, we get distracted, you know, fa things fall off for us. But there are still some of those players, um, you know, like Layla Fernandez is dreaming about tennis uh, every night. Um, so how do we become, you know, obsessed tennis players? What do we think about? Well, again, because we've talked about there's so much to work on and, and it can be overwhelming. So you'd be like, well, yes. I, you know, I'm a regular person. I have a job. I have a spouse. I have I have a kid. And, you know, like that's taken up a lot of my time. So therefore, you know, I guess I probably even though I want to be obsessed more than anything in the world, Pete Mirabon, I really can't be obsessed and I really probably can't make great gains. And again, what you have to realize is it's about the consistency because a lot of these great gains will, it's not going to be made that you're going to have to go out and practice three or four hours a day. Right. It's just that if there's one thing you want to improve, it's, can you add it? You know, if you did a lot of the stuff, five minutes here, 10 minutes there, you know, around the house, yeah. and then you showed up to your match 10 minutes early, you stayed 10 minutes after your match or your practice, and mm -hmm. you did the exact moves that somebody told you you need to do to improve something, you would see massive improvements when you look bad back six months, a year down the road. You would see it. It would be undeniable. But again, the problem becomes you get so overwhelmed, you get lost, and then you stop doing those things. And, and, uh, then you're just stuck. You might do it for a week or two, but then you sort of think like it's futile or you got it, which again, the pros, they never say to themselves, oh, well, gosh, why am I going to do another shower stroke? Like I'm perfect. Look at me. I'm the greatest. Like, why would I do a shower stroke? Why would I do another lunge? I know how to do a lunge. Why would I stretch? You know, why, why am I warming up with a medicine ball? I'm look, look at me. I'm Alcaraz. I'm Carlos Alcaraz. I'm ripped. I don't need, I don't need the medicine ball today, but they live by those rituals and they do them. They, they, all of them, if you watch them practice, they, it's very, very little simple things that anybody can do. It's just that they do it and we don't. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agreed. Um, like what Arash said there to become obsessed, you have to love all the little things you're working on. Shout out to him, another uh, great player that I play with um, here and there. Uh, so we do have a question that I want to go back to. So Christine, let me know what you think about this, Peter. One usually can't learn a new movement without making a video of yourself doing it. You may think you're doing something different and you're not. You have to super exaggerate the new movement. I pretty much agree with all that. What do you think? A hundred percent. I mean, she nailed yeah. it. 
And, and that's the thing. A lot of people will do things and they're not filming it or they'll film it and they don't catch it. And, and they'll think like, cause they're in the neighborhood, but mm -hmm. each little piece of your stroke, especially the serve, like it's so complex. If one little thing is off, it's going to throw everything off. And so each little piece has to be perfect on its own, just like learning a dance move before you can put the whole thing together. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Let's see here. Yeah. Byron said, my dopamine definitely gets kicked to the ground when I feel like I don't play well. I like what you said. He was referring to gratitude. So yeah, most definitely. It's really important. Richard, performance is not artistic. Is it in competition? Trying to decipher that. Performance one. is not artistic. Is it in competition? Well, I think I think um, maybe he's saying that you know you don't have to play beautiful tennis to no. win in competition. If that's what he's saying, and and he's again mm -hmm. he's one hundred percent right, and that that's what I said in the beginning. Like you know, what's your goal for pe for people? And it's to ask them, well, what do you want to do the most? Do you want yeah. to get a certain stroke down that you know you don't have? Or do you want to win more matches this year? And then if you look at that individual, you might determine, I mean, everybody's different. You might determine on one person, well, even though you want to win more matches, like we got to make this forehand look better uh, so that it will hold up in a match and, and that will help you win matches. But as Jorge Capistani really pointed out so nicely, there is a range of acceptability. It might not be perfect, but if it's acceptable, if that person has a range of acceptability on most of the shots, then I'm probably not going, well, gosh, we really need to improve your technique for you to win these three, five matches this year. No, it's probably a lot of other stuff that we can do just a little bit here, a little bit there, a little strategy, a little more fitness, a little more court awareness, uh, certain drills that that we know that they're going to be in that winning position all the time and just making them really feel really comfortable in there, that that will be enough to win the matches without having to look amazing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. One other concept I wrote down, Peter is um, getting outside your comfort zone. I think that really applies to even discipline as well. Like, you know, like sometimes you're, you, you, it's not comfortable to do something that you want need to do, but you, you have to do it. And so, but yeah, I mean, it also applies as well to like trying new skills, you know, maybe you're, you're three, five and you, you don't really poach at all. So maybe you want to add to your toolkit, you know, how to poach or maybe even the I formation, sermon volley, I remember like a, a while ago when they playing playing doubles, like I I had never served and volleyed. And um, you know, one day I decided to do it and I did it for like three, four points and each time like I I'd serve, I go to the net, then I'd miss my volley and then, you know, I felt I felt like almost embarrassed, like, wow, you know, people think I have these crappy volleys, like, forget it. I'm just going to stay at the baseline and, and do that. But then like the next time I went out, I said, you know what? No, like I, I shouldn't care what people think. Um, I'm just going to serve and volley, you know, every time that I, I play, every time I serve a point and, you know, gradually I caught on and I got it. And by stepping out of sight of my comfort zone, I was able to then create and develop this new skill that's obviously comes in handy. So yeah. What do you think about the importance of, um, getting outside your comfort zone and learning new things? I, th I think, I think that's, that's, uh, extremely important. And just like you said, it's adding these little tools along the way that yeah. ultimately make you a better player and, and really understand where, where the right tools that you need to work on. Um, you know, like 
you mentioned the Serban Valley kind of reminds me of Novak Djokovic, uh, uh, especially when he played Berrettini. He he won Wimbledon on that Serban Valley that year. Like if you really look mm. at that match on the big points, Novak served and volleyed, and he won almost every single time he did it. And that was done over years, not just that match was won over years, not just like two weeks before the tournament. To where over years, gradually, we know he's one of the best baseliners of all time. We don't just think of Serban Valley when we think of Novak. But over the years of continually working on it in practice and then in, and then on certain points in matches, he knew exactly when to do it again. Where else did he do it? Finals U.S. Open. You could see playing Medvedev, he was starting to get very tired. Mm. And then he played some Serban Valley points when you could tell he did not want to get in a long rally probably could not get in the long rally and he won it on the certain volume almost every time. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Just, just trying to think about like, you know, kind of summing up like what, what we've talked about. I mean, like, tell me what you think, Peter. I mean, we've, we've talked about to, to get to peak in 2024. I mean, we need to have, you know, goals, which are based on, you know, the awareness of what, you know, what'll give us the most bang for our buck in terms of um, improving for the new year. And, you know, these goals are very personal. So maybe one goal that you have uh, might, might not be the right goal for me. Um, so it's all very internal and, and person specific. And then, you know, once we have these goals, we need to create systems and accomplish them, you know, improve through consistency and discipline. We also want to think about of course, just making sure that we have our fitness in place so that we're able to, you know, play first of all and um, and thrive and feel good about, you know, our body and ourselves. And then also we need to add in things like our gratitude, sort of, um, you know, just remembering how lucky we are to play the game. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the more tools that we can add, the better, generally speaking, just so you you have more assets when you, when you get to play. So, um, and then also, you know, getting outside your comfort zone. So I feel like that pretty much kind of covers, um, you know, what we talked about. Uh, I just want to see if there's maybe any other elements or any, yeah, just overall thoughts um, while we wait and see if there's any questions, of course, um, you know, that maybe we didn't touch upon. I think, I think you did that perfectly. Uh, so, I mean, if I were to just sum up my things that are pretty much yeah. the same as yours, it, number one is, Right now is the time to be building up your body. That's that's non-negotiable for everybody. Number two is figure out this off-season, do you want to win more matches next year or is there something that you're feeling very self-conscious about in your technique that you want to improve? So if you answer, I just want to win more matches, I, I, I mean, I always think I need to improve more my technique to win more matches. Then really, if it's about winning more matches, be super analytical of your game and ask yourself these things that you think you need to improve technique wise. Do you really need to improve them? Like probably the most notable one is if you look at recreational tennis, very few recreational tennis players have a professional looking serve and it's great to have a professional looking serve. But if you look at three, five, four Oh tennis, you, there's so many people that can win matches by just pushing the serve and play. And, mm -hmm. and like, I watched this one lady today, she sent me her serve. She pushed the serve in, but I'm like, damn, she's a good athlete. That serve is actually moving pretty well. Like, unless she just is so self-conscious about her serve and wants to improve it just to improve it, I wouldn't change her serve if she wants to win three, five matches. She doesn't need to, to have a professional looking serve to improve, uh, to win at three, five. So 
really think if, if it's about winning, what are the what are the real reasons you're losing? It, it might not be mm-hmm. that technique. What are the real reasons you're losing and attack that like crazy? And uh, and if you are going to improve technique, if you're like, it is definitely technique on this shot or that shot, then I'm telling you the only way you're truly going to get it. It's not hitting a ton of balls on the ball machine. It is doing a lot of step-by-step progression shadow work in your house, filming it, making it absolutely perfect, then having someone, a ball machine or, or a coach feed it underhand, making sure that looks perfect, then having maybe somebody feed you out of a cart, make sure that looks perfect, then rally with somebody perfect, I mean, rally with somebody uh, easy, then that's got to be perfect. Then hit harder. That looks perfect. Then play points. Then it looks perfect. Then put in a match. That is the only, that is the only system. Mm-hmm. There is no shortcut. Mm-hmm. I wrote all this down. <laughs> I'm, I'm screen. No, I swear. I have screenshotting it. I'm, I'm look, going to look at it every day. Yeah. I mean, that's the way to do it. And it, it, I mean, especially like the longer you've been playing, I mean, I feel like it's, it's it's very tough, you know, to uh, to make these technical changes. But I mean, it's very rewarding at the same time. But um, yeah, you got to take those steps, you know, from from no outside pressure whatsoever. You know, get it perfect to gradual steps up in you know pressure environments slowly, slowly. So uh, really love that. Um, yeah, amazing, Peter. Great stuff. Yeah, tell us about any any particular like projects or anything you're doing. I mean, you mentioned obviously the racket drop challenge. Is that, is that something that people can still get into at this point, or is it kind of? Uh, no, that's that's kind of like we're okay. kind of too too deep in the weeds on it, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot of challenges next year. We're, you know, in February we're going to do a serve challenge. Going to go deeper with my. Um, membership we're going to change the membership a little bit next year nice. uh to 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 service more people and and uh Amazing. and then also uh lots of uh fun uh trips and things so i'm going to go to south america in february i'm going to uh do tennis con live in april and oh, yeah. then a lot of camps in atlanta i'm going to be in spain and france next year and cincinnati at the masterclass clinic so if you want to come uh, train with me either in Atlanta or Cincinnati or overseas, then shoot me an email uh, at crunchtimecoaching at gmail.com if, uh, if that sounds exciting. Sweet. I'm just writing this down. I know all this already. Why, do, why am I even? <laughs> uh, let's see. Peter's email. So, yeah, I'm going to include that in the links uh, for sure. Any other um, profiles or anything you want us to check out? Like, I don't know, Instagram, TikTok, um, you know. I have started a new TikTok dancing channel to where I dance with B2. We da- we dance to the to the oldies and uh ch- no no I'm just kidding. No, just go to you- <laughs> yeah. just just go to YouTube. Peter Freeman tennis, type it in, crunch time coaching, type it in uh and you'll you'll see me a lot. Awesome, awesome. Any close well, let me double check the uh, comments here. Oh, okay. Here we go. Christine, I have a mental hump to get over to keep up my aggressiveness for an entire match and not get psyched out or doubt myself. Also developing a new tool, a slice, and incrementally improving my backhand. All right, yeah. Christine, Frank, hey, good to see you on here. Uh, yeah, she she comes train with us in, in uh, Cincinnati. Um, so, awesome. yeah, I mean, to Christine and everybody, here's the thing about staying aggressive the entire match. 
ideally what we think about as staying aggressive is when we see Serena crunch a forehand, when we see <laughs> Roger crunch a forehand. And that is very hard. That's what I was exactly talking about earlier in this podcast live stream uh, as far as it's going to be pretty much impossible for you as a recreational player if that's your version of staying aggressive. So you have to get in touch with your what I call your confidence meter. You have to really have honest conversations like going, I want to play this point aggressively, but I'm super nervous. And I, if I'm going to be honest with myself, I don't actually believe I'm going to make this forehand. I, I might yell at myself to make it and I might be frustrated and goading myself on to just hit the damn ball. But if that's the way you're talking yourself, you're most likely going to miss the ball and go into a spiral. So does that mean you can't be aggressive? No. Like I love what Christine's saying there. I'm also working on my chip. Everybody here should be working on their hitting skills and their pushing skills. Their pushing skills is a chip. So it's a big point. Your opponent has a, a hamburger for a second serve. And if you're like, well, I'm too nervous to swing through it and hit a winner, but I've developed this chip to where I'm going to chip and charge and come on in. That's still pretty darn aggressive play. That puts yeah. a lot of pressure on your opponent. And a lot of times that's a lot easier to do uh, under pressure than, you know, hauling a away with 80 to 90% racket head speed at a ball. Yeah. Yeah. Very wise words, my friend. Okay. Well, looks like we've reached the end of the show. I do want to ask you if you have any last words of wisdom or thoughts to leave us before we adjourn for this session. Um, great. You great. Glad you asked me. That. I've got a 30 minute. No. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, Peter, you know, I always, um, we really enjoyed chatting with you and uh, making contact with you. And, and yeah, you always do a great job. You did a fantastic job with tennis con, uh, give, gotta give you kudos again. You know, one of the, I think the best probably that, you know, in terms of, um, you know, numbers and everything content, um, that you've done. So really fantastic. So yeah, everybody go and check out crunchtimecoaching.com and also Peter's YouTube channel. As I did in the intro, I mentioned, you know, 66 K subscribers. That's no joke. That's amazing. And, uh, so many great videos. I, I watch them all the time and I think you're on Instagram as well. And so, so check out Peter's stuff. You will definitely thank yourself for it and thank me for it and him. As well. oh, I have one more thing. Oh. If you yeah. are on my email list, we're doing 12 days of tennis deals starting Ooh. tomorrow where you're going to get discounts. So I'm starting with the legends guide tennis mastery, which is going to be a 76% discount. So follow my oh, emails. Dang. Yeah. Oh, dang. Yeah. So they can go to your website, crunchtimecoaching.com and like sign up for the newsletter, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's basically like my premium content, you know, you can use them as stocking stuffers. <laughs> nice. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely take advantage of that too. It's a pretty sick discount. Um, awesome. Sweet. Okay. Well, Peter, thanks again. Uh, we'll connect again soon. And um, for everybody, really appreciate you listening. And really, we wish you all the best in achieving you achieving all your goals and having a very happy and prosperous new year. So be all the best. And thank you, everyone. Thanks, Peter. And we'll see you next time. All right. I really hope that you enjoyed my interview with my good friend, Coach Peter Freeman from Crunch Time Coaching. Definitely give him a follow. We'll have links to all the links that we mentioned in the show notes page. And if you did enjoy this episode and got value from it, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that by going to tennisfiles.com slash 
Apple Podcasts with an S at the, S at the end, excuse me, or you can leave a review on any podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. We just find that Apple Podcasts it does the best in terms of giving the most visibility to the show and so forth. So that is definitely the preferred platform, but any platform that you can manage is fantastic with me. Uh, so thanks so much for that in advance, uh, if you haven't yet. And also want to leave you with a quote, as I do at the end of every show. This one is by Hiral Nagna. Nagda, excuse me. So very cool uh, name there. And Hiral said, right at the end of the road, a new way will be revealed. So very deep quote there and pertinent one for the new year. So with that, thanks so much for listening to this one. And I look forward to bringing you more fun interviews and of course, insightful ones, as well as solo episodes in 2024. So have a great one and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.